you for your cooperation. You're listening to Nowhere in Mulberry. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Welcome to another Nowhere a Mulberry Movie Mini. We're returning back to the 80s, Bill. Well, wait, let me close the door on the DeLorean. Yes. We're ready to zip on back to 1987, July 17th. So I was about 15, I guess, when I saw this. This was actually a film that I did not see till VHS. Same here. I, In fact, I remember uh, my dad would go into downtown Washington, Pennsylvania, and there was a little place that he knew the guy personally uh, who uh, ran the video rental shop. And he would hold the stuff before it was like the release date. And he told my dad, he's like, hey, I got this, this flick in Robocop. You're going to love it. <laughs> And uh, my dad brought it home, and God, what was I? What Did you say 1987? 1987, yeah. All right, so if it came on VHS, would you say 1988? Probably somewhere around the summer of yeah. 1988. Yeah, totally. All right, so 1988 minus 1979. I was nine years old when I saw this film. Wow. I was nine years old. And, dude, I was disturbed by it at 15. I can't imagine how it affected you. It was incredibly violent. It was the, and also. This is also the theatrical version without yeah, the. Yeah, this is the VHS. Long. This is. I think they had to submit it to the MPAA 13 right. times. Yeah, they kept whittling little moments out of the Ed 209 scene and the Murphy scene where he's killed shaving seconds off of it, which is hilarious. Yeah. Because. Well, it just also points out how absurd the MPAA is. I mean, I will agree with them that there are some gruesome uh, shots. The Murphy stuff is kind of shocking, but I thought the Ed 209 scene was much more shocking. Like, holy shit, well, kind of How long it goes on. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy, even now when I watch that, I'm like, holy shit. Well, what, what's funny is that I think there's only a one minute difference between the theatrical is, cut yeah, and the, uh, and the thing is, it's still shocking to me. Absolutely and, it is. I would say the first time I saw it, it kind of grossed me out. And I love the movie so much that I kept watching it. And thanks to Paul Verhoeven, the director, I am now desensitized. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. Got finally that script of Robocop, uh, and I read it, and I thought it was extremely silly and stupid. I threw it on the floor and saying, I'm not going to shoot this kind of rubbish. My wife picked up that script, Robocop, and read it. And she said, you know, yeah, this is perhaps not, uh, it's not Shakespeare, but it is a script with more layers than you think. Yeah, so I'm nine years old. My dad brings it home on VHS, and my dad had a bit of a, you know, who didn't rent tapes and copy them in the 80s? Right, right, everybody. I mean, um, we had two VHS you know, VACRs in the basement and he would bring home movies and he would really, he had, he didn't have time to watch them. Right. So it was his own version of time shifting pre DVR. (laughs) Yeah. So I remember he put it on to copy it and I snuck down into the basement where we had the, what we called the game room 
uh-huh. the just the big family room and I watched it while it was copying and I was just absolutely enthralled and frightened really I I remember being very frightened at dir- different parts of it but oh, yeah um Let's yeah I don't really want to talk about the parts until we get to them right right so just I'm 9 years old you're how old I'm uh, like 15 Okay, so and I th- this is what I remember about it before I we talk about actually watching it that I wanted to see it really bad. I remember seeing the movie poster and seeing that visor of RoboCop and thinking, yes, and being a cynical teenager, I was like, "What is this garbage?" And I didn't <laughs> think that it looked cool at all. I thought it looked lame. That that's what's hilarious. Well, and, again, was it Orion? Yeah, it was uh, Orion they didn't picture. know how to promote it because. It's him in the, like, half in, half in, half out of the I'm cop car. I'm telling you, the first time I saw him, I thought it was the cheesiest looking thing yeah. I've ever seen. Ed Newmeyer. I remember Orion saying, we can never sell it with that title. It's stupid. It sounds like a kid's movie. But in the end, a title that tells you what the movie is, is, is really quite good. Well, and the tagline was part man, part machine, all cop. Right. That has absolutely no, absolutely nothing to do with Robocop. They advertised it totally well, wrong. Died a hero. Target and was reborn as Robocop. A one-man police force with the strength of an army, the speed of a laser, the brain of a computer, and a body made of steel. Looking for me. Robocop. Starts Friday, July 17th at a theater near you. They had no idea what they, they had on their like hands. A clever little tagline. Or he is all cop. It doesn't matter what he's made of or something. The future of law enforcement. But I'll never forget. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it. It's always checked out at Blockbuster or whatever. The same day, two different people brought me dupes of it. Nice. I remember my friend Keith, and it was actually, this is hilarious. My stepmom at the time, her mom rented it and copied it for me and brought it over. And I had like two copies sitting there at the same time. And I was like, dude, awesome. Bonus. I'll watch one and then the other. Yeah. It was funny. Let's see which quality is better. And it was funny is I, I actually remember being sick and having a fever when I watched it. And I think it disturbed me more because I was sick or something when I first watched it. It's kind of Well, weird. it can be brutal. Yeah. It just... It's almost like you you have more empathy when you don't feel well. You feel more pain when you see someone being hurt or something. Yeah. You're fragile. And that's the way I felt the first time I saw it. And I was disturbed by it. <laughs> I really was. And you know what? When I still watch it and I know what's coming, I start to feel really bad. Yeah, I get butterflies in my stomach. I, you know, it's that, um, it's that cringe quality, like, these people go through some serious shit in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know how anybody can watch it and not feel empathetic. Well, let's start with the beginning of the movie. I, first of all, can enough be said about Basil Polliter's score? Again, it's it's an iconic 80s score. It's up there. I love it. I mean, of course, he's known for Conan. Conan. I think this score, I was, I was thinking about it the other night. I think this score beats Conan in, in its noticeability. And in well, its uh, memorability. The, the Conan main theme, I think, may top it. Bum, 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 bum. That? That's pretty great, but for me, the... Dun, 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 Yeah. That, that, to me, I just, it's... And what's so cool, Bill, is we don't even hear that until we first see Robocop driving his car. Yeah. We don't yeah. hear that. There's no main theme until that happens, and that was really cool. 
Because remember, it starts out with the skyline of old Detroit, supposedly. A lot of the movie is filmed in Dallas and Fort Worth, and it's hilarious when I recognize that giant ball tower from Dallas. Oh, so that that's Dallas? Yes. It's so many I'm, shots. I always knew it wasn't Detroit, because I had lived in Detroit, and I know what Detroit looked like, but Detroit, when I first saw it, I had no idea. Yeah, I think Detroit is only in that opening shot, where they show the okay. Robocop letters. Okay. I think that. But I know that there's parts like in Fort Worth, like downtown, where you see the TV antenna and stuff that crack me up when I see that. Because oh. I was like, that's Fort Worth. That's not Detroit. But I um, had no idea. Whenever you see that ball tower, that's downtown Dallas. Okay. And right near there is the American Airlines Arena. It wasn't there then. There's like Reunion Arena where the Dallas Mavericks play basketball and stuff. So it's funny that they're doing like a car chase shooting. That shit would be all over the news if that really happened, you know? Wow. But when it first starts, it's this newscast and automatically you know, this movie's weird. We are thrown into a very strange world of uh, threat of nuclear war in Africa. Yeah. I don't know if it's later with the, some kind of Star Wars satellite misfires and kills two presidents or something. Yeah, that's later in the movie. And then you can't help but think that at that point in the film that, okay, did it really misfire? Right. You know, right. everything is owned by corporations and military industrial complex kind of thing. And they show that medicine is kind of advanced. Like it's more like they have that heart commercial. Is it time for that big operation? This may be the most important decision of your life. So come down and talk to one of our qualified surgeons. Here at the Family Heart Center, we feature the complete Jarvik line. Series 7 Sports Heart by Jensen. Yamaha, you picked the heart. Extended warranties, financing, qualifies for health tax credit. Yes, you can have any heart you want and for a certain fee and then it's like they end it with and remember and remember we care yeah we, we have the jarvik line uh, yeah yamaha <laughs> <laughs> it's like a piece of audio equipment or something you get a little hint of this um cop killer clarence bodiger wanted clarence bodiger unofficial crime boss of old detroit now sought in connection with the deaths of 31 police officers. Today he's at large. And we're pulling for you, Frank. <laughs> Casey Wong. Casey Wong and, uh, what was Lisa Gibbons' name? Shit. Jess. Casey Wong with Jess Perkins. It's so funny how cheesy the newscast is, and that's really how cheesy the news is, you know? Yeah. I, I wonder if Paul Verhoeven gets those ideas on his own, or if that was in the script from uh, uh, Neumeyer and uh, Miner. Yep, those guys, Ed Neumeyer and Michael Miner. I think RoboCop was the first thing they did. RoboCop was an idea that I came up with when I was an executive at um, Universal Pictures, and I couldn't stand my, my job, so I went off and wrote a screenplay. Michael Miner came through the door and said, Oh, you want to write a script about a robot? I like robots. And there we were. The first idea for RoboCop was a robot. And then it very quickly wasn't. It became a man who became a robot. Ed and I were thinking of two ideas independently. He had an idea called RoboCop, which was about a robot police officer and i was playing with an idea called super cop about a character who has an accident and then is hooked up to an appliance that enhances his power the humor is very dark robocop which to me is social satire with some very real emotions in it 
I looked on IMDb, but all I've done is Robocop and uh, Starship Troopers stuff. And Paul Her- Verhoeven also did Starship Troopers. And it's so Robocop-ish, the way they have the commercial breaks. The, yeah, the commercial break, the news. Uh... Every day, federal scientists are looking for new ways to kill bugs. Your basic arachnid warrior isn't too smart, but you can blow off a limb. It's still 86% combat effective. Here's a tip. Aim for the nerve stem and put it down for good. Would you like to know more? Would you like to know more? Yeah, it's very RoboCop-like. That's almost like, I would say that's the traditional sequel to RoboCop in a way. That universe, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kind of that similar sense of humor, but I mean, that's a, a conversation for another time. Sir. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, the subtext. I mean, yeah. the Robocop, sub Starship Troopers, it's really all about the subtext. We've established that everything on the surface maybe seemed norm, like a normal world, but it's extremely violent and things are chaotic in this world, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredibly corrupt. Privatization is run rampant. Right. Uh, with OCP, uh, is they're the, they're like the mega corporation, it's I guess. All greed, and they all seem like assholes too. They don't really care about anyone that's not OCP. Yeah, it's people, money, money, money. And the people in OCP seem to be assholes. The only reasonable person seems to be, uh, the old man in a way. <laughs> well, well, that's, you know what's funny about, it? if you look at any corporation there, it's, it's filled with assholes looking to move their way up. play the politics and right. do everything they can to get higher, higher, higher. So played so well in this. Yeah, when they introduce Miguel Ferrer, I've never known yes. how to say his last name. Ferrer. Yeah, I have Ferrer. no idea how to Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, that sounds good. Miguel Ferrer. When they introduce him, he's an asshole. Yeah, he's an ambitious asshole. Bob Morton. And then there's the black guy who I don't know his name, but he seems like a nice guy. He seems like a, a good friend to have. I don't like when it starts out. They go, "What do you think's going on here?" He goes, "I figure they're greenlighting Delta City." What are you kidding? They never do anything ahead of schedule. It's Jones. He's got the 209 series online, and now he wants to show off. <laughs> Strong opinions, and there's the young kind of naive guy, Kenny. Yeah, you better be careful, man. I hear Jones is a real shark. Who asked you, twerp? Poor Kenny. <laughs> Poor Kenny. <laughs> oh, my God, Kenny. So when they introduce uh, Dick Jones, played by Ronnie Cox, which he's fantastic in this role. Can this guy chew scenery like any other actor in the 80s? Oh, he can. I'd... I say good business is where you find it. Everyone in this movie has a line delivery that's just fantastic that you remember every time you see it. But, uh, God, he's good. He is fantastic. So he's introducing the Ed 209 series. It gives me great pleasure to introduce you to the future of law enforcement. Ed 209. Yes, the new enforcement, would you call, what would you call it, a robot? The enforcement droid, series 209, is a self-sufficient law enforcement robot. I don't know why they armed it with missiles, but... <laughs> well, you never know what it needs to take down. It's it's equipped for urban pacification. Yeah, I love when he says that. 209 is currently programmed for urban pacification, but that is only the beginning. After a successful tour of duty in old Detroit, we can expect 209 to become the hot military product for the next decade. But it can be used uh, in military settings. 
You know, when I first saw it, I thought it looked like an electric razor, like the head part. Like, kind that, of, you, you, my God, you were so dead on. So, yeah, it looks it, that head because it's that perforated. Yeah. Like strangeness. Yeah. And I love the legs because it reminded me of like a mech or something from Robotech. Ed 209 was supposed to look like these kind of weird Japanese toys that like were these big robots that had like gun arms. And I just said it looked something like that. And then I said it, it, I always had this idea that it was kind of like it had a shark mouth and it had these double machine guns and it looked like, um, you know, the, the kind of. Uh, what do you call the gun pods and the rocket pods you saw on the side of, of, of Huey attack copters. I guess, would you call it creature design? Uh-huh. I mean, the design on it is is fantastic. It right. looks menacing. Phil Tippett did all the animation on it, so it has so much personality, you know? Yeah, it really, oh my God, does it ever. There was, really wasn't a lot of money to work with, so we couldn't get into really any fancy... Um, uh, blue screen photography, and the only way at that time of uh, of creating these artificial characters was either putting a guy in a suit or building a big prop or doing a stop motion animation puppet process or rear screen photography, which is what we used on Robocop. You shoot a photographic background plate, project it onto a translucent screen, build a stage, put your puppet in front of that, stop motion puppet in front of that, light that puppet so that it matches the background and have any foreground objects that you need to and shoot that. Phil is, he's like another actor and he delivers another performance and Ed, Ed, Ed 209 was always to me the kind of the, the clown. And I love the way it talks because you know they do the demonstration with Mr. Kenny. Mr. Kenny. Yes sir. Would you come up and give his hand please? Yes sir. Oh he's, he's so ready to yes, volunteer. <laughs> what the hell does Dick Jones have a, a silver-plated desert eagle in the meeting room for I know, why, why is that there? And, and a clip. Did he really yeah, need and a clip. It? Why did he put the clip in? Yeah, I know. That always, it, you know, he clicks it in place, hands it to him, says, hold the gun in a threatening manner. And then he <laughs> not, points it at Dick. And he's not even phased like by the, it. Yeah. He's just like, at Ed 209. And I love he's like, Please put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. And that's another thing that the hum to life as it goes. Yes. I love that. And all of the sound effects in this movie. But also after it's warning, you know, like when you have 15 seconds to comply and it, there's a lion roar. Yeah, it goes. You now have 15 seconds to comply. Yeah. And it's just like, holy shit. And I love immediately when he throws the gun down and, he, and it does that roar and he goes, you yeah. now have 15 seconds. Immediately a lady screams like, ah! Yeah. You are in direct violation In this world, nothing works right, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they're used to it. Yeah, so the moment it counts down and they're like, oh, he's so screwed. And people are pushing him away because he's walking towards him like, help me! And then when Ed 209 opens fire on him, like, even in the theatrical cut, it's still gory as hell, I think. Oh, yeah, those squibs. It's like... It's the like, way they blow away the fabric. Yeah. It's like these little internal explosions whenever the, the shells hit. It's chunks of meat 
coming yeah. off of him. And, and the sound, the sound design on it, just the way it's, it sounds like it's shooting chunks of meat. And all these quick cuts, it doesn't just fire and then stop. It fires at him forever. It fires until they finally pull the right plug. Yeah. And then it has that wind down sound that... And it does, I swear it does the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, and, and, it, and then after that sound, it kind of like rattles. Yeah. Like, this thing is not mechanically sound. This thing is a hunk of shit. <laughs> yeah. The, the guns are just smoking like yeah, crazy. I love that. Well, somebody, oh, yeah, somebody goes, Somebody want to call a goddamn paramedic? Yeah, I think that's uh, Bob Morton who says it. Will someone call a goddamn paramedic? <laughs> yeah, that makes me laugh every it's time. It's like the guy's been shot a hundred times. It's so, it's so incredibly dark, <laughs> the humor in that, but it makes me crack up. After that happens, you're in shock. You're absolutely yeah. in shock by this. You first, you, this first time you've seen gore like this. You didn't expect it at all. And Ronnie Cox, Dick Jones says to the old man, Dick, I'm very disappointed. I'm sure it's only a glitch. A temporary setback. You call this a glitch? <laughs> so you're laughing at the same time, even though you've just witnessed something completely disturbing. Yeah, it, it just brutally horrible. It really is, and when you and watch- everyone's like, who isn't around the guy? They're all sitting at the uh, conference table, just like, oh, well, another day at OCP. Yeah, there's like women crying and stuff, and the the one guy he goes like, too bad about Kenny, huh? And Rob Morton just smiling goes, it's life in a big city. Yeah, I mean, what a dark, cynical point of view. He doesn't even yeah. take a second to go, yeah, poor guy. He doesn't give a shit at all. <laughs> no. After he, you know, the glitch line, uh, he rushes in and you're like, hey, Bob Morton, con- uh, security concepts. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you about our backup Robocop yeah, project. He uses that. Like he says, Dick Jones dropped the ball and he was there to... Recover the phone. Yeah. We're ready to go, sir. We've restructured the police department and placed prime candidates according to risk factor. I'm confident that we can go to prototype within 90 days. Good. Very good. Basically, he says that we've moved good cops to high mortality rate precincts. Yeah. They moved really good cops to places where they're sure to be killed, basically. Is so, that, yeah, so that they can get the body. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. disturbing. And then the other guy goes, when can we get started? And he goes, where do we start? Some some poor schmuck volunteers. Meaning when some guy gets killed. And then cut to Alex Murphy's first day at this precinct. I love the establishing scene. Some yeah. guy's yelling at the head sergeant about like, basically it sounds like he's being offered a bribe. Right yes. when the, the scene starts. Attempted murder? It's not like he killed someone. This is a clear violation of my client's civil rights. Make it aggravated assault and I can make bail in cash now. Listen, pal, your client's a scumbag. You're a scumbag. And scumbags see the judge on Monday morning. Now get out of my police station and take Laughing Boy with you. Yeah, I was going to ask you if that's where Laughing Boy came from. It might have. I don't know. When I Every time I see it, my head perks up like, whoa, Laughing Boy. But I was going to say before that today I watched, you know, the uncut version of RoboCop with the extra long Mr. Kenny being bullet riddled by a <laughs> Yes, yes. And it is still like, Jesus, this is sick as hell. 
Especially something about when he gets shot up in the legs, too. It really is disturbing. Verhoeven has a bit of a hard-on for the uh, the leg shooting in this one. Yeah, he's got a bloodlust, and he likes violence. And What's great about it is he uses it to make a point. I felt that basically having this kind of feeling that there might be sensors here, but what does he see exactly? He's partially blind, blind for what's happening in the world, you know. The law enforcement has a side that's blind. And that basically will just do like the Germans did in the Second World War when the commanding officers say, shoot these people, they would just do it. He wants to upset you. Right. He definitely upset me the first time I saw it. What's so great about that scene with Ed 209 is you're like, what the hell am I in for in this movie? Yeah. It's such a contrast to how it started with the crazy newscast. You know, you're kind of thrown off balance with the, the newscast and then... You know, people are assholes, and then you get this Ed 209 thing, and it's just... It's like, holy shit. You have no no ability to know what's next. This is not a normal movie. And some of the cops ask about that Officer Frank that the newscast was about. Yeah. And they're talking about striking. Everything seems kind of sucky. And, you know, it's Alex Murphy's first day. Murphy transferring in from Metro South. Nice precinct. Yeah, pretty good. Work for a living down here, Murphy. Get your armor and suit up. And then you find out that that cop died. And then we're introduced to Ann Lewis, who she's tough, you know. She seems like a pretty nice person, but... She's a good person, good cop, in a bad situation. You know, because so many movies where they try to do the tough chick. I think Officer Ann Lewis, she's immediately likable. And she's tough, and she's punching the guy in the face, and... Come here when you finish fucking around with your suspect. Get on your feet. Murphy's she lets her me. ability do the talking. Right. I love how he goes like, uh... Murphy, meet Lewis. Show him the neighborhood. Glad to know you, Murphy. Pretty neat. <laughs> <What a> neat <laughs> Caesar beat the shit out of the guy. And then she goes, I better drive. It's your first day. And, he, and then he immediately gets in the driver's seat. I usually drive when I'm breaking in a new partner. has her thing where she pops her gum a lot early in the movie. Yes. To effect, which is funny. When they introduce Clarence Bodiger and his gang, it is hilarious just how, basically, when we first are introduced to him, he's having a fit about the guy burning the money when they robbed it. Shit! I don't believe it! What? You... You burned the fucking money! I had to blow the door. What do you want? Yeah, it's all just burnt up money. <laughs> he's so pissed off when uh, you cut to uh, Alex Murphy. He's first flipping the gun, twirling it. When you first hear about the t- TV show TJ Laser. Pretty fancy moves, Murphy. Uh, yeah, well, my son Jimmy watches this cop show TJ Laser, and this laser guy does this every time he takes down a bad guy, so naturally my, my kid thinks every good cop should be... And you don't want to disappoint him? Yeah, well, role models can be very important to a boy. Crack me up, because you think, like, TJ Hooker or something like that? That looks like a good show. In this short span of time of Alex Murphy arriving, the cops kind of talking to him, and him wondering why he was transferred to old Detroit yeah. when he, you know, it wasn't really needed. And they're all kind of confused by the whole thing. They're all upset that OCP is just sending cop after cop into a death zone without doing anything yeah. about it. 
they have that one guy who's like, I'll bring you to this little paradise. It's me, man. I think OCP's doing a lot of new guys up here. Oh, you need consumer products. What a bunch of morons. They're going to manage this department right into the ground. To show that they hate OCP. It kind of builds the humanity of Alex Murphy and you start to identify with him. You know, he wants to be a good cop, good man, good, good father. You know, just goofing off, showing his thing, uh, with the gun and all that. And they're, they're sitting there talking. They get the call and made me laugh was Lewis would run, runs for the door. The first thing and he, uh, for the driver's side door. And he's like, Oh, I'll let you drive. Yeah. And he goes driving. around the other side. Yeah. When they have the whole shootout scene, all of a sudden, as they're chasing Clarence Bodiger and his gang. They show what an asshole he is, or he's like, Can you fly, Bobby? They throw him out the back. At the time, I hadn't think I'd seen any John Woo movies, but uh, I'm thinking that the first time I saw a guy dual-wield pistols like that was uh, Robocop. Officer, Officer Murphy there. Yeah, I had never seen... I thought that was awesome. I mean, he's like, he gets both guns, yeah, like he's like, a gun. gunslinger. And- he, he shoots that guy in the leg. This is a point in the movie, because I've seen it many times now, Bill. You know, when they chase him to the the steel mill. Yes, I know exactly what you're going to say. he's like, what do you say? Do we wait for backup or do we go in? Well, you're calling. Let's do it. Okay. I'm like, wait for backup, wait for backup. And I always think that. And she goes, let's go. And so they go in and then they immediately separate. Yeah. Had she been with him, she probably wouldn't kill too. Am I right? Absolutely. Again, whenever they're there and he says, you know, it's your call, he lays it on her. So the guilt she's got to feel is just incredible. Yeah, she probably does. I didn't even think about that. You can see in her face that it does affect her, you know? Yeah, it absolutely does. The moment she recognized, well, later in the film when she first recognizes his. That's what I think is so cool when they do the gun twirl. That's like, oh, later on, guys, I may, we may go back to this. Remember this gun twirl thing, you mm-hmm. know, and even like different things that happen early in the movie. Cause remember when he stumbles upon a mill, he goes dead or alive, dead or alive. You're coming with me. Also, we can't forget about the introduction of the greatest commercial ever, which I have no idea what they're advertising in this commercial, but it's I'd buy that for a dollar. Well, it's not a commercial as much. It's a TV show. It's like a, a Benny. Hill kind of show that they have. I thought it was like have. a commercial that keeps coming on, like over and over again. And the original name of the show was "It's Not My Problem." He always said things. I'll buy that for a dollar, and it was just sort of meant to be like this thing that was completely stupid, and people laughed at. And I thought if you did it enough, people would start laughing at it. It's probably true. Ricky Snyder, as far as I know, is just an invented character by Ethan Michael. And I had no idea what it was. He did just explain me a little bit that it was, it was supposed to be funny, but not really funny. So I shot it that way. All that show was shot by me. Everyone laughs. They're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. They're just cracking up. And Yeah, geez. it's that world building. Yeah, he pushes like the uh, whipped cream into the lady's breast. And the guys are like, ah, ha, ha. I'd buy that for a dollar. So it's basically like his "What you talking about?" on that show, I guess. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, and people love it. Whoever watches that, and I think it's hilarious how they always cut to that in fantastic moments of the movie, <laughs> where it like caps things off. 
Another thing that shows this movie is disturbing because it has a pee scene where the black guy's peeing and she pops her gum and his pee stream stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, really, it's really hilarious whenever you see that. He uses a guy peeing the stream of pee as a signal, which I think is funny. He goes, what I want, you're, you're peeing in one her. She pops the gum, you stop peeing. <laughs> I mean, how, You've got such amazing control. I mean, did he really, was he peeing in that scene, or was it a hose hooked up? I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> Mind if I zip this up? The guy waits for her to look down for him to knock her off, and we immediately see he's the giggler of Robocop. Yes, he's, he's, like, <laughs> he's the guy with the, the annoying laugh. I don't know how long it is, but it feels like forever when you're watching it. I don't care how many times I've seen it. It's like, you know she's going to look, but you just keep going, don't look. Don't look. Shoot him. Shoot him in the chest. Just shoot. Yeah. (laughs) If you have to look there, shoot there. Murphy's kind of sneaking up on Emil and the other guy. The red shirt bad guy, I guess. (laughs) He doesn't last long. But he's like, why don't we just keep the money we steal? And he goes, well, you got to steal money to make money. <laughs> he's like explaining them to their system. Perfect criminal logic. He's like, makes money to make money. We steal money to buy coke and sell the coke to make even more money. Capital investment, man. Yeah, but why bother making it when we can just steal it? There's no better way to steal money than free enterprise. And that's when uh, Murphy stumbles on him, kills one of the guys. And then we have one of the most brutal scenes ever. The first time you ever see RoboCop, I don't think anything can prepare you for this scene. Producer John Davison. Paul always said he wanted to make Murphy's death the most violent scene imaginable because you cannot have the resurrection until you have the crucifixion. Yeah, it's... Uh, because the when Clarence Bodiger shows up, Emil goes, your ass is mine. He's like, not yet, it ain't. And then he's there and you're already like, oh shit. We've already on the uh, report know that he's a professed cop killer yes he doesn't like cops cops don't like me so i don't like cops again the delivery yeah it's fantastic when he does that scene and they're yeah. all laughing. I yeah. always wondered if that was like a Chevy Chase Caddyshack homage. Yeah, that's what I always thought, too. No, 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 And then they give Alex Murphy his moment where he can say something bad about Clarence. He goes, you probably don't think I'm a very nice guy, <laughs> do you? Buddy, I think you're slime. It's so kind of tame, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, that's that's who he is as a person. He, he wants to be a good man, and uh, he doesn't want to... And they've established he's a good cop where he comes yeah. from. You a good cop? Hot shot? <laughs> sure you are. He's just not the type of person to go, Oh, F you. Eat shit or Don't something. And they're like, ah, <laughs> look at this guy. He called him slime. He's a Boy Scout. Yeah, when Clarence Bodiger first blows his hand off. <laughs> I thought that was so effed up when I first saw it. 15 year old kid, you're a well, 9 year old kid. It's completely freaking just shattered into. Disintegrates his hand yeah. with that shotgun. And they all have shotguns. Just the way his hand just explodes, it's like, holy shit! Messed up, man. And he's got his bulletproof vest on. So I guess, you know, when they're just blowing, shooting at him repeatedly with shotguns that, you know, by the way, in the uh, director's cut, or I guess the unrated cut, the first thing they do is blow off one of his arms. Yes. 
His a whole right arm just blows completely off in one shot. That's effed up too, by the way. Yeah, uh, it's so well done with the um the pain of it all. Yeah, and it just uh, you cringe at every shot, and then as they just unload on him, and then he's pretty much done for. I think I'm not sure if it's the black guy or Emil, but one of them goes. I'm out of ammo. Yeah. Like, they would guy. keep shooting if they could. Yeah, and he's like, Does it hurt? Does it hurt? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, I oh. hate that guy. Yeah. You can't wait to see that guy die later, you know? And uh, poor Lewis, she stumbles onto it right as it's happening, and she's kind of peeking from the, the side. One, one thing is, every time I look at it, you look at Kurtwood Smith, you know, Clarence Bodiger's face as that's happening. I don't think he's enjoying it, really. I don't know. He kind of has a look like... No, it's not just, an enjoyment. It's it's almost like a sadistic need. It's like he's numb to it all. Maybe he just feels nothing. Like, the way they, they show his face as they're all blasting, he's just sitting there watching. And I'm always trying to think, what is he thinking right here? And I think that it's just like he just doesn't feel anything. He's just no. watching it. Well, it's just a means to an end. And then he's like, he shoots him right in the head. And this is another thing. I don't remember the animatronic head that they yeah. did for that scene as much in the in the theatrical. Yeah, I don't believe you ever see that in the theatrical. Okay, at least right. it wasn't noticeable. You see the shocking flyback of the head of Peter Weller, but in the unrated, it's animatronic head, and it's pretty effed up. Yeah, and it's really well done. I, I, and I must say that when Lewis is standing over his body in the um, unrated cut, it's longer, and I think it's more effective in a way. Absolutely. She kind of grabs her head like, oh, my God. She's like just looking at what this guy was a few minutes ago, and now he's just a mess. And she even goes to touch him and kind of goes, ah, pulls away. Like, it's just like, you know, there's nothing there. There's chunks of him gone. And think of that shocking death scene. He gets shot in the head. It's freaking brutal as hell. It cuts to him being taken to the hospital. Because that's one thing. They show he's kind of moving a little bit. He's not dead yet, even though he's shot in the head, right? I guess you would have to owe that to the um the science of it all, but I mean it blows out his entire right side yeah. of his brain. Is it really that they memory wiped him that he can't remember things, or well, is it that just gone. that yeah. side of his brain is gone? It's possible. And that that whole scene, the hospital scene, and the cameras looking up, like it's his point of view in the Basil Polyder's music. I love just establishing from him being killed. To him being taken to the hospital, him on the operating table, you can hear the doctors, to fade to black, and the music's like, dun, 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 and then fade to black, he's dead. And yeah. then when he comes online as, uh, I guess he's a work in progress Robocop. Because at first, you know, this guy's like drilling, he's like, sure. Yep. It's starting to roll. Still rolling. Ah, shit. And then it goes to black again. <laughs> And there's different moments, you know, where people are looking down at him. And there's the funny, the Bob Morton, you know, she goes, hey, good news. We can save the arm. He goes, he's on. What's the story? We were able to save the left arm. What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? Jesus, Morton. <laughs> well, I got to agree with him. I mean, the, if you're going to keep an arm, it's, uh, it's, it's a point of weakness. Yeah, you can't have a human arm on RoboCop, you know? No. Maybe it's because he's just so cold about it, you know, that it's like, well, God, yeah. Jesus, Bob. And then you have the uh, scene of the New Year's party and the girl oh, yes. kisses him. This is for you. Oh. Happy New Year. 
<laughs> and then falls on her ass. They all laugh, and then to the introduction of Robocop, I guess to his crew. I just think it's cool how it goes from that scene to now he's online. It is my great pleasure to present to you Robocop. Well, and we never see him until he walks past a television. Television monitor as he walks by. Yeah. And even later, you know, as he arrives at the police station, he's through a glossy window. So Yeah, we, we never him. get to see him until that one point. Yeah, I thought that was great. And all the cops in the, the station are trying to see him, too, and they're all running. It's a great tracking shot with all the cops running after him because we're, like, with them, like, whoa, what does he look like? What yeah. does he look like? We want to see him, too. And when they first kind of see him at a distance, it's kind of like, what the hell is going on? They have the cool scenes like, well, what does he eat? How does he eat? His digestive system is extremely simple. This processor dispenses a rudimentary paste that sustains his organic system. Tastes like baby food. Knock yourself out. Keeps tasting it. Yeah, he keeps putting his finger in there. <laughs> He's enjoying it. And then they do the recording scenes and the playback and the targeting, all of which we will see later in the movie, right? They all yeah. play a part in the movie, which is really cool. Yeah, and listing the prime directives. What are your prime directives? Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. We get to find out that there's a classified fourth directive. Yes, I love that. It's like beep. Beep, beep, beep. And it's like, whoa, what is that? Huh. And so later on when it comes up, you're like, oh. So typical. I mean, it's like, you, it's almost like you feel stupid. And it actually beeps out loud for us, the audience, like, beep, beep. Like, yeah. <laughs> remember this later. <laughs> but it still works. It's great. The cool part where Ann Lewis, you know, she's uh, doing her uh, target practice. And then all of a sudden they hear that gun, that freaking Robocop gun that... Is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. What are they gonna do? Replace us? To me, it sounds like a machine gun that fires like three bullets at once. Like I always wondered, like if it was like a rail gun or like some sort of uh, almost like an energy gun, because of the amount of bullets it rips through for it to only have like a. Uh, you never see him change the clip. You actually do see him change it later when he first gets the gun back. There's one point where. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. And he sticks the clip in. It may yeah. happen twice. I'm not sure, but you do see him load it once. Like, just put the clip in. Even at some points where he shoots somebody, two bullets hit the person. Like, it's kind of weird, almost like in a square pattern. Yeah. And there's one part where he shoots a window on the van, and it looks like buckshot comes out of it. So I'm like, what the hell does that gun fire? Whatever it is, his gun is badass. It's a future gun. I mean, really, you just got to call it a future gun. What's funny is I read that originally his gun was supposed to be like a Desert Eagle. And when he held it, it wasn't big enough for Robocop. It just oh, Jesus. Like they needed something very distinct. And I like that he has a distinct gun that doesn't really exist, you know? Yeah, it's one of those, it's, you remember it. 
He twirls the gun and puts it away in his leg. And Lewis immediately sees the gun twirl, and she's like, that's Murphy. She knows yep. it immediately. That's it. Yeah, that was the moment. I don't know why in my mind I thought it was whenever she looked at his face, but it was the gun, yeah. And I love all the sound effects. When you first hear Robocop, you hear that hum, that... And I gotta say, when I first saw Robocop 2 and he didn't have that hum, it really bothered me that Robocop didn't have that humming sound when he was around. You know what? I didn't even realize that. I did immediately because I loved it. Everything about the sound effects and stuff. And it just really drove me nuts that he didn't make that sound. He still does a, you know, when he turns his head and stuff, but that hum. But it's that, the machinery. Yeah. It's in his, you know, his footsteps. Love it. Because he sounds heavy. Yeah. Robert Burton, he's like, oh, yeah, go get him, big guy. <laughs> yeah, because he needs a car. He throws him the keys, he catches him midair. Oh, yeah. Go get him, boy. And then they have a night on the town for Robocop. I also liked how whenever he pulls out of the uh, parking garage, he's so heavy in the car that the car slams off of the ramp. Well, one thing I noticed about that is when Murphy first pulls out of the uh, garage, when he was with Lewis and he first drives away, do you notice he hits the ramp the same way and sparks come up? No. Yeah, so... I always thought it was because he was so heavy that it... I think See, that, I had no idea. I think that was a touch of him that's Murphy still, you know? There, because yeah, there you go. Watch, that's when he, nice. When he first pulls out of the garage, just watch. He hits it and sparks fly up. And when he does his Robocop, the same thing happens. It's just, it's like a little touch, I think, to show you, yep, this is the same guy. You he's know? still there. Yeah. He's got the he's, com- he's been totally uh, gutted and made into this inhuman beast, but he's still there. Yeah. Parts of him are still there. And cut to the liquor store, and we've got the- I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently his wife doesn't mind that he watches that show. Yeah, and this creepy guy comes in with a big bulge in his jacket. I always thought he was like a terrorist. <laughs> he does. He's he looks bulge. like a like a terror or like a Middle Eastern terrorist. I always love that he grabs a comic book that he's buying. Yes. Know? And he has one of those gas guns. Yeah. That's like it's like a World War II German gun or something. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? The long, skinny barrel and the uh, clip that sticks out the side. When Robocop comes in, he's just like... Drop the gun. You are under arrest. Is he shooting at him? Yeah. I think that's about the only reaction you can have when you're committing a crime and Robocop shows up. And as the best line ever, when uh, Robocop bends his uh, gun barrel and then he hits him into the cooler, he goes, Thank you for your cooperation. Good night. I'll buy that for a dollar. I love all of that editing like that. I always liked how the wife pulls her sweater kind of shut and like smiles. Like There's just this reaction of she doesn't know what the hell she just saw, but she likes it. Right. They were the weird, creepy rapist guys with the woman. They're like, eh, they're all giggly and stuff. Yeah, you have a lot of hair up here. Hey, there's more hair down there. 
creepy. And it's just like, oh my god. Yeah, we don't want your money. Yeah, they're creepy as hell. And then Robocop shows up. Your move, creep. And then- I always thought the shot between the legs looked a little high. It's a little disturbing. and But yeah, I mean, the fact that he, that's where he decided to take his shot. The woman's like, oh, thank you, thank you. And she hugs him and he goes, Madam, you have suffered an emotional shock. I will notify a rape crisis center. Yeah, and then she just kind of pulls back and looks at him like, what? Because he's not, she's, he's not a... There's no humanity there. Right. Yeah, it's just great the way they do that little tag on right there. Cut to the hilarious scene of the guy who wants his job back with the city or something. He's got the mayor hostage. Oh, yeah, he's like a council member. Yeah, and he's like, I want my old job back. They're interviewing the SWAT guy, and as soon as Robocop pulls up, the, all the porters run away, and he goes, hey, where are you going? Like, he was really enjoying his time on the news there, being interviewed. <laughs> he's kind of the yes man who who loves the uh, spotlight. And uh, Robocop says, where the hell do you think you're going? Keep him talking. And the guy does. He's like, oh, okay. I want a car. <laughs> It gets really <laughs> shitty gas mileage. <laughs> it gets really shitty gas mileage. What kind of car, Miller? Something with reclining leather seats that goes really fast and gets really shitty gas mileage. How about the uh, 6,000 SUX? Yeah. Yeah, he goes, how about the new uh, 6,000 SUX? He goes, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. We're even throwing a blop honk. And I remember just not knowing what, what is he saying? What is that? And I had asked my dad, he's like, car stereo. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I always remembered the, the name, but it was all, I never knew how to pronounce it. Hey, no problem, Miller. Let the mayor go. We'll even throw in a blop honk. And that's when the guy knows that he's being screwed with when he says blop honk. And he yeah. grabs the mayor and he's just about to kill the mayor in the window when Robocop, luckily, he, uh, punches through the wall. I always wondered how, if if there was something punching through the wall behind me, how he didn't press the trigger. Yeah, but I guess Robocop does it so fast and grabs him. But he gets rounds off and he's firing in the air as Robocop punches him out the window. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't tag anyone. And what's funny about that scene, too, they play it for humor. When he falls out the window, they show the camera pointed up and goes down to the ground. Like, they film him hit the ground. (laughs) Again, it's emphasizing the decline of our moral society. Like, this this is news. You got to see every ounce of this guy taking the fall in the splat. That scene through the wall, it doesn't look like infrared. It looks like they're wearing, like, suits that look like infrared or something. Yeah. Like the effect. Cuts to immediately the newscast where uh, Lisa Gibbons, she's going, Robocop, who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? And he's like at a school. He's at a school, yeah. Of all the places to be a school. And he's playing like red light, green light with kids. He's like, Robocop, do you have any advice for little kids? Stay out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Is it at this point, do they do the red alert commercial yet? I believe this is the break. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. You crossed my line of debt. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. <laughs> Nuke em. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. You've crossed my line into Pakistan. <laughs> Genius. Now, Robocop is a huge success when Ed 209 is an embarrassment, so 
Is there any more uncomfortable scene than when Bob Morton, he's kind of talking shop with that guy about, hey, you got the new uh, pass to get in the executive bathroom. Bob starts talking shit about Dick Jones. Like, I hear Jones was plenty pissed. Oh, you know, he's got this killer rep, but it's a smokescreen. His face, he's lost his teeth. The guy's a pussy. Talking about the same Dick Jones? And then you realize that old Dick Jones is in a stall taking a dump. (laughs) (laughs) Dick Jones is visiting the uh, executive shit her. And when he comes out of there, everybody has the sense to leave immediately. They're like, like, even the guy that Bob Morton's talking to is pissing his pants, he's like, oh, trying to get out of there. Yeah, he zips up way too soon. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, talk to you later. Bob Morton, he's so cocky, he doesn't have the sense to uh, know that he's done something wrong. And that scene where uh, Dick Jones grabs his hair. You just fucked with the wrong guy. Fucking mind. At this point, Bob has no idea that he has guys like Clarence Bodiger on his payroll. At this point, do we know that? I mean, we know he's an intense guy, but do we know he's in cahoots no, with... we don't know until later when he's like, Dick Jones! Yeah, at the cocaine factory. Right. Yeah, so we don't know on Pursuit. I guess I kind of forget that because I've seen it so many times, you know? Yeah, it all blends together. Yeah. The way that uh, Miguel Fair plays that character, I love. Just how he's so cocky. Yeah, just he's so sure of himself. But then what's great about that scene is Dick Jones is like, You better pray that that unholy monster of yours doesn't screw up. So immediately cut to OCP and Robocop has a dream. And he dreams that who killed him again. You know, remember he gets up and he walks away. And that's a really cool scene with the music. Where he... And it shows it on the screen that the visual center of uh, his mind is throwing up the image of Clarence uh, Boddicker. Yeah, what is I was it was a statue or something I was looking at. I can't tell what's on that monitor. It's a uh, Boddicker with a gun out just before he shoots him in the head. Like I know what he is seeing in his brain, but it's like whatever's on that monitor is different. It's like a, a statue or something. I don't know. I need to. Oh, okay. Right it looks weird, you know. But then when you cut to what he's looking at, he's looking at when they he was all shot up and everything. Mm-hmm. And then Clarence Bodiger, when he shoots him in the head, that's when he springs to life and they're all freaking out. It comes up to another great scene where Lewis does the Murphy, it's you line. Don't you love that when she says that, when she's looking at him, she goes, Murphy, it's you. And he takes a step back. It's like he knows something isn't right. These flashes of things. He's having these connections. It's like synapse are reconnecting in what's left of his brain. You know, after he leaves and Bob Morton shows up and he's freaking out, and the guy's like, he had a dream. He's like, this chick talked to him. What did you say? And he said, I asked him his name. He didn't know. Oh, great. Let me make it real clear for you. He doesn't have a name. He's got a program. He's product. Is that clear? And it's funny. Yeah, he's a product of OCP. He treats him so mean, doesn't he? Bob Morton. Well, well he's, uh, you know, they're just cops. I love when Lewis says, sorry, boss, I effed up. And he goes, forget it, kid. This guy's a serious asshole. <laughs> he's right. He is a serious asshole. Yes, yet, he is. yet I still feel bad for him later on in the movie. Well, he's he's a serious asshole, but he's just um. I get the feeling he's proud of RoboCop, like he cares that he's doing a good job. I absolutely get that feeling. Uh, I mean, it's his uh, RoboCop's his life. You're gonna be a bad motherfucker. <laughs> 
And I, I, he's an asshole, but he's also, he's a very ambitious guy. And they got Robocop right the first time. I don't know anything about if they had prototypes or whatever, but they seem to have gotten him right. If you even think of the sequels, they never get it right again. <laughs> no, never, <laughs> ever do they get it right. Once he's gone, I guess they never got it right again. So I'm wondering uh-huh. how much he had to do with the creation. I mean, he was a, a real asshole, and he didn't seem to have empathy. He had a good team. We love you, Bob Morton. <laughs> <laughs> but then we have the scene with Emil robbing the gas station. We know Emil is a, is psychotic. We've seen yeah. things he does. You notice when that scene starts out, he's pretty calm. He taps on the window. He's like, give me all your money. I want gas on this pump. And he's just talking to the guy. And he goes, what are you, a college boy? And then he's kind of playing with him. But then he starts going, hey, I'm talking to you. And he starts banging on the window. I have a feeling he would have shot that guy in a few minutes later had Robocop not shown up. I bet you think you're pretty smart, huh? Think you could outsmart a bullet? What do you say we find out, huh? I'm talking to you. What do you say? Huh? Huh? I'm talking to you. He totally would have killed the guy. He was escalating as the scene yeah. went on. Like, he's like, sees he's a college boy and then immediately hates the guy or something, you know? Yeah, because he's bettering himself, and that's not... In in this current world of old Detroit criminals, to have anybody that could possibly best you in an area where you're not confident being, you know, smarts or... It's automatically a threat to him, and he feels challenged. And you can just see the way the scene is escalating, where eventually he would have just gunned the guy down had Robocop not showed up. Yeah, he would have taken everything he could and then just left, yeah. And I love that. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. And he's like, I know you. You're dead. We killed you. We killed you. We killed you. Don't you love how Robocop kind of shuts down for a second there? Like he's just frozen as he's just shooting at him. He's getting away. And then he like comes back to life like, oh, wait, just kind of stunned him. He's he's absorbing it all. Yeah, it's kind of like Like Lewis said, it's you. And he kind of just takes a step back for a second. He has the wherewithal to be able to repeat it. Like he knows, like, wait, what the hell? Yeah, he plays it back immediately. He's watching it. That's really cool. And then, you know, he knocks him off the bike or whatever. I love his, like, Who are you? Uh, Who are you? uh, uh, (laughs) Yeah. Of course, they have the cool explosion scene where he's walking away. And Robocop looks so weird in that scene. I didn't freeze frame it, but he looks all bulky in the quick cut, you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, around his head or something? But I never freeze frame it to look at it. It looks like there's an actual, I think, well, it's an actual stuntman walking through that fireball explosion. Almost like he's got a fire suit and the RoboCop suit on or something. Yeah, exactly. He looks really weird, but it's like a split second. It's a wide shot. Then it cuts to the, like, the, I don't know what you call it, the Hall of Records scene. Yeah, I guess it's the only thing you can call it is a Hall of Records. And I love that guy Cecil, the really nerdy cop. He's like, hey. Can I help you, sir? No. Well, what is it exactly that you, you want? Hey! can't enter here. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy that emptied uh, Fredrickson's locker. Yeah, and they established something. It's better than a USB input. It's like a spike. Yeah, it's input. like a, would you call it a memory spike or an yeah, interface right. spike? I love how it pops up right in his face like, This is a restricted area. Ah! 
And it's such an awkward animation of the arm, the whatever the, you know, you can tell it's like a mechanical thing, not even attached to Peter Weller or something. Yeah. Kind of bends around and stuff. But it's cool how they did it all in one motion of the blade popping out and then turning and punching in the computer. And I always laugh that there's a guy in the background who goes, he's in. Like, he just broke into the computer, like, hacked in. And he's like, man, he really is a machine. Wow. You know, that's when he looks up all of Clarence's gang. Yes, we get a meal, and uh, then we look at known accomplices. And then when it shows Clarence's, it goes... (laughs) You know, that makes this ominous kind of sound. And then what we have here... When it uh, cuts to deceased, one thing that's funny about the scene, it really works in the scene, but it's hilarious that the computer goes, deceased, and it goes, eh, 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 you know, like, yeah. <laughs> It's like okay, computer. like if you're not if you're not dead enough, <laughs> it's like an alarm clock all of a sudden. Yep, he's dead. And then one of my favorite sequences in the entire movie is when he drives back to where he used to live. Yeah, he's, he comes up on the house and it's blending in with the memories. There's a line later in the film where he says he can't remember his family; he can just feel them. Right. The memories that we're seeing are are really just for us. It's almost like he can feel that they happened or something because there's a part with his son where he's like, Wow! Can you do that, Dad? I mean, I can imagine he sees that somewhere in his head or some kind of faint memory of it. Yeah, it's an echo. Yeah, like an echo, yeah. All the music in this scene is fantastic, I think. The Basil Polidurus music, the melody and everything Mm -hmm. because it's this real kind of sweet and tender thing. But then when his wife says, I really have to tell you something, because we saw that earlier when he was dying, remember that memory? Mm-hmm. I really have to tell you something. I love you. Disappears right in front of our eyes in the camera, and all of a sudden he's stomping like really hard, like getting pissed off. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, now he's angry. The whole time, there's these monitors that tells you all about the house. And say, it doesn't matter who cooks in your family, because this kitchen, by food concepts, makes everything happen. Yeah. Like, even in a home, every part of the home is now created or controlled by a corporation. And again, it does a great tag at the very end of the scene where it goes, Hey, have you thought it all over? Why not make me an offer? I... It's a great way to like and cut, you know. Well, and and to relieve this tension that you just experienced, this uh, these memories and this walkthrough, it's just it's kind of a very appropriate ending. Yeah, I gotta say that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. I always look forward to that whole sequence. And it's funny because it's not an action scene, you know. Yeah, it's just a really, really memorable, well done uh, scene. Right when Robocop punches the monitor, it does like this uh, cut to like this crazy ass music in a dance club or something. Yeah, and it's, I was reading on uh, Wikipedia today that it's a combination of Ministry and Skinny Puppy. Right. You know, the band. What's funny, you say that one time, Steven, I think he gave, yeah, he did. I have that piece of music. Listen to this. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's just like this goofy ass music, and everyone's dancing, and Robocop's there in the club. He's looking for uh, Leon, Leon, Leon Nash. And yes. Don't you love when he pulls a gun? He knocks it out of his hand, and a guy dancing catches it and keeps dancing while holding the gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know you can't interrupt a good dance. <laughs> I just love that he catches it and then it's still dancing. Leon, he kicks Robocop in the balls and he just hears, no! and he goes, oh, there's a scene that cuts to a guy kind of like freaking out, waving his arms. It's like a quick cut of Paul Verhoeven there. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's Paul Verhoeven when he's going like, ah, as uh, Leon is kind of like screaming. It's really funny. It means a millisecond it happens. <laughs> but on the commentary, I remember uh, the editor, when he put that together, Paul Verhoeven goes, what the hell? Because <laughs> he was just screwing around on the set one day, and he had not intended for that to be in the movie. That's classic. It is hilarious. So now whenever I see that, I'm like, Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> One thing about these guys, the bad guys, Clarence's gang, they're brutal killers. They're horrible people, and they seem to be really scary, but they're also major jackasses. Yeah, they're buffoons. They're complete buffoons. He easily took out Emil. He easily took out Leon. And Well, he just wants Clarence. He doesn't care about these guys right. as much as Clarence. Oh, That's remember, all he wants. I remember what happens after the scene cut to Bob Morton with his two hookers. He's like, God, you girls are so great. I mean, I just, I love to be with intelligent women. Smart is so sexy. And the woman dumping coke in her cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> Clarence Bodiger, he comes to the door with a gun. And what does he say to the women? Bitches leave. <laughs> Whenever I want to get rid of any family at my house, that's what I say. Gee, Bobby, you gotta call me. It's like, what is she from Greece or something? The way she talks. Gee, Bobby, bye. You gonna call me? I still find it disturbing the way he shoots up Bob Morton's legs. Yeah, I knee shots and thigh shots. I can't deal with them well. I know it's brutal, and he's like, whatever he's paying you, I'll double it. He goes, hello, buddy boy. Dick Jones here. I guess you're on your knees about now, begging for your life. Pathetic. He's just so great on that. What's so crazy about Dick Jones is that he's such a showman in a way. Mm -hmm. He can't resist creating evidence against himself. Uh, you see uh, Clarence is just kind of smiling there. Like, even he's, like, kind of entertained by... This, like, this guy is a, a wacko. Yeah. I think this guy's crazier than me. You, you know what the sad thing is, Bobby? You know what the tragedy is here, Bob? We could have been friends. But you wouldn't go through proper channels. You went over my head. That hurt. But life goes on. It's an old story. The fight for love and glory, huh, Bob? I love the way he said that. So matter of fact. It's just too late. It's like Bob Morton had no idea how big of an enemy he made. Yeah, he was way too ambitious and way too sure of himself that this guy was not a problem to get rid of. Yeah, he didn't realize it. It wasn't just business. It was a guy who would do anything to get what he wanted, including murdering whoever. I'm cashing you 
What is Dick Jones's endgame? It's Delta City, right? But also, he wants to control all of the underworld elements. Yeah, I would. Ha- yeah, it's is this worldview? I guess that it has to exist, so I might as well control it or something. Well, I think it's kind of a, a play on the. You can't talk about this movie without getting into politics, and a lot of it had to do with the the way Reagan uh, created that uh, military industrial complex and the way corporations fund wars. Right. And I think it's it that's kind of what they're saying is that OCP controls the police but they also control the crime right. and they control the drugs and they you know they know how much they need to put into one thing to control another thing. It's all about control. RoboCop to me is, a, is essentially a satire. It's a satire of the 80s. Some people say it's a satire of Reaganomics, but it's just a satire of that kind of era when everybody was getting rich and everybody in business were being tough and stuff like that. The old man, he's kind of naive to it. He wants Delta City built. He's not thinking about all that other stuff. He just wants something like RoboCop to take care of the crime so they can build Delta City. You know? Yeah, he's he's the old guard. He, you know, I don't know if he was the creator of Omni Consumer Products, but he's uh, he's there's a, an amount of innocence to yeah. him still. He's so sheltered. Yeah, that's what. There's a great line Dick Jones tells Bob earlier where he goes, "He's a sweet old man, and he means well." He's not going to live forever. And I'm number two around here. Pretty simple math, huh, Bob? It's a statement about, uh, such a statement about corporations, about how a lot of corporations start off on such a positive note, and then as the hunger for power grows within a corporation, the people that are cutthroat or willing to play the political game end up getting the higher jobs yeah. or the the high, the promotions as uh, opposed to the the people that are just willing to work their asses off but it it just shows the way that the that it's corrupted from the inside you know when bob dies i almost think it's kind of funny i'm like well the father of robocop is dead <laughs> you know yeah and too bad he wasn't there to save him that's entirely why Bob Morton dies, because uh, RoboCop has become such a success that it's taken all this monetary possibilities away from Bob Morton, but also his pride. Yeah, from Dick Jones and his... Uh... Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Dick Jones. That's what I love when he says about uh, Ed 209. I had a guaranteed military sale with Ed 209. Renovation program. Spare parts for 25 years. Who cares if it worked or not? It's like he set it up. Everyone would have ordered this thing. It would have been breaking down everywhere. They would have had to order spare parts. For 20 years, they would have had lines of Ed 209s out there. But Ed 209 would have been killing his Killing people. everyone. Yeah. The thing was a bad design. The only thing the movie was missing was, like, a dog coming in and, like, pissing on the side of the building and Ed 209 noticing it and saying, you are trespassing. You have 10 seconds to comply. Yeah. And the dog's just sitting there pissing, and then it just blows the dog up. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it just, that's the only, like, just to enhance the, the stupidity, sheer brutality of this mindless thing. So if we look at it the right way, we'd say that Bob Morton saved a lot of lives with Robocop. Yeah. And they have that great scene where uh, 
clearance is there with his guys at the drug factory. I guess it's like a cocaine conveyor belt. Factory. Yeah, I mean, it's quite possibly the most absurd cocaine factory I've ever seen. I mean, in, in most movies, the cocaine places you see, it's like all naked women or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pack, you know, and mixing they, and packing. And this, it's guys who are all armed with masks on and it's on conveyor belts filling in little jars and stuff. Trust in flannel and flat caps. I guess what Clarence is doing is trying to get a certain rate for his drugs. Yeah. And the guy is like, you make a lot of people nervous. But I love when he's like, I don't want to fuck with you, son. But I got the connection. I got the sales organization. I got the muscle to shove enough of this factory so far up your stupid wop ass that you'll shit snow for a year. Frankie, blow this cocksucker's head off. And I love that line. Is ooh, guns, guns, guns. <laughs> yeah, he goes. The Tigers are playing tonight. What? He's so hopped up on coke. Yeah. That I mean, it, it, he almost doesn't make any sense. And it's funny the the way those guys are trading like their tough guy stances. Like he dips his finger in his wine, then sniffs it, and then the guy takes his wine and he drinks it. You know. Yeah, I, I always great. liked how he sniffs it because. He does so much coke. He's got a deviated septum. His nose is dry. That's how he's taking care of it. Just a little, <laughs> just a little wine, a little sniff of wine to to create a little more moisture in his nose. Yeah, I always thought he was just sampling it, kind of like, almost like he's showing, like, hear him That's things. how unafraid of you I am. And the guy's like, well, yeah, well, I'll still drink it, even though you put yeah. your finger in it. I don't know? even know where you had those two fingers, but it's still delicious wine. And they've just come to an agreement. He's just kidding. I love that line, too. And when Robocop comes in. Come quietly or there will be trouble. Well, just the way the doors buckle. Yeah, okay, can we just say this about Clarence Barger's gang? The most uh, underused guy is the Asian guy. <laughs> yeah, he has a great line whenever he says, he goes like this, he goes, Ah, oh, fuck you! Yeah! <laughs> and he starts a whole gunfight where everyone gets killed. Here's something that, that I noticed. If you go back and look, the shots on the guys that aren't Clarence's crew are non-fatal. Arm shot, leg shot. He's just incapacitating it looks like everyone they're being, else. They're all definitely being shot off-center. Yeah, I mean, he's not going for kill shots. When he shoots the one guy and he kind of has the, the AK-47, he's like, ah, oh, and he spins around and guns down the his boss. Yeah, that's the only guy of that crew that ends up getting killed. Yeah, they're all getting shot in the armpits and stuff. It looks yeah. Like up till now we've seen Clarence Bodiger be sure of himself and cocky all of a sudden he's shaking Clarence Bodiger who's afraid for his life don't you love that How yeah and, and I always I was always a little um put off by the scene because he like you said he's always so sure of himself he's he's absolutely insane he just has this standoff with this guy and there's all these guns and he's he's so sure of himself that this situation is going to work out in his favor and then RoboCop starts tossing him around like a rag doll. Yeah, and that seems great, but he's like... You have the right to an attorney? What is this shit? Throws him to the window. He's like, yeah. whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait a second here. <laughs> and I love how he reads him the Miranda as he keeps throwing him through different glass windows. But that whole scene is great when he's 
got his hand around his throat and he's crushing it. There's an extreme close-up of uh, Kurt Woodsmith's face covered in blood. And he gives up everything. You cocksucker! I work for Dick Jones! Dick Jones! He's the number two guy at OCP! OCP runs the cops! You're a cop! Yeah, he sings like a canary. But I love that he takes him into the uh, the precinct. Uh-huh. He's like, book him. What's the charge? He does this dramatic... Yeah. Book him. What's the charge? He's a cop killer. Spits on the paper like, just give me my effing phone call. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe I read that that was, Kurtwood Smith said that was his very first scene in the movie that is awesome that he had that assuredness he had already had that character down yeah and he i think he thought he impressed paul verhoeven with the spitting of blood that he was in the blood so he's like oh i like this guy <laughs> <laughs> i love the whole dramatic scene of robocop driving to uh to ocp mm-hmm. and the way that it's so understated the way uh Dick Jones is on the phone with Clarence Bonnegar and goes, The lawyers will have you out in 24 hours. Just don't say anything else. Jesus, you really screwed up. You know, he knows that Robocop isn't going to be able to do anything to him because of Prime Directive 4, right? Yeah. Because we don't know up until now when Ed 209 was a big failure that he's got Ed 209 still up there with him. You know, he, he got attached to him. It's his buddy. Security droid. He keeps him in his closet. I love that whole scene, by the way. Just the way the music goes, even before he gets to Dick Jones' office, I love where he comes through the doors and everyone goes, <gasps> like that. They're all like, holy shit, like, who is this guy? And he rides up the elevator. It's just, Why is Robocop here? This long, dramatic music. As it, I love that the movie takes the time to have the scene of just him arriving, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when he finally shows up, he's about to open the door, and the door opens, and Robocop kind of stops for a second, and then walks in. I don't think, yeah, and that kind of proves that Robocop really has no idea that he's being tracked. There is no element of surprise. Yeah. Main officer, you know I don't usually see anyone without an appointment, but in your case, I'll make an exception. You are under arrest. Oh, on what charge? Aiding and abetting a known felon. Sounds like I'm in a lot of trouble. You better take me in. I will. I just love the way Peter Weller talks in this movie. Just the way Robocop talks. And the way they they feed that sound over it to make Uh it sound even more uh, mechanical. What's the matter, officer? I'll tell you what's the matter. It's a little insurance policy called Directive 4. My little contribution to your psychological profile. Any attempt to arrest a senior officer of OCP results in shutdown. What did you think? You were an ordinary police officer? You're our product. And we can't very well have our products turning against us, can we? And that whole scene, Ronnie Cox is fantastic. This is also the first scene where you see the um, limitations of the costume. Right. Because he bends back and you can see, like, the fabric that 
uh, is covering the area under his armpit. And also, some of the close-ups, it almost looks foamish. Yeah, there are times where I think the legs, you know, where the joints meet, where like yeah. where his butt and his legs are, looks off-kilter a little. But, they but again, I don't mind. No, I'm no, just saying that either. it's There's... one of those moments that every time I watch it, my eye is drawn to that flaw. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I can't help myself. I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. But my favorite part in that whole scene when uh, Ed 209 comes out and opens fire on him, when you get the cl- extreme close-up of Robocop's eye through the visor. Yes, I and then that. he blinks his eye. Because at that point, you don't even know if he has eyes anymore. No, you don't yeah. know if he's still human. I love that, just that close-up of his eye right there. And it's kind of this wide eye because he's about to get attacked again. And then Robocop has this moment where he pushes the arm and it shoots Ed Tonine's other arm. And I love how he starts freaking out at first. Like... <laughs> Ed 209 has so much personality, and I guess that's thanks to uh, Phil Tippett, but the whole sequence where he's firing missiles and stuff, but I love when... Uh, yeah, one after another after yeah. another, and it's obviously not got a very good targeting system, Yeah, because it can't predict, there's no targeting prediction. Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to fire at him here. Oh, wait, no, Robocop just moved. When uh, Dick Jones seems pretty sure of himself when Ed Nine first goes after him, but after Robocop pushes his arm and blows off one of Ed Nine's arms, you see kind of panic sets in, like, oh, shit. Like, I forgot, this thing's a piece of crap. Yeah, <laughs> I was so sure of myself that this thing could uh, do some damage. And what does he say? He goes, Get Hitchcock on the line. There's trouble in this house. I love the scene where, you know, he goes down the stairs, but Robocop stops to see what Ed 209 is going to do. It's like, he should have just gone away, right? Yeah, he stops. Yeah. He stops to watch him, and he's like, trying to find ground like the ed 209's foot is hovering yeah, got the, like the little paddles on the side of the foot is trying to feel it out <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like oh i got i oh i got a step okay it's let like, me step okay. and then it slides and then it has a baby tantrum or something it's like Sounds like somebody slaughtering a pig or something. I always thought it sounded like the Wampa. Oh my god, it's so funny. We actually built a uh, scale version of the stairs. So got all the dimensions and uh, you know whatnot from the staircase that they were using and matched the paint and stuff and built a miniature set, probably about four feet square. And we basically set the puppet up at the top of the stairs and flipped him down the stairs. That Just that tantrum, the, how long the, st- the shot stays on it, kicking its legs. Right. And the thing that, is, I almost think of the scene that follows, you know, where all the cops are out there with spotlights. Dick Jones would have had to have called them before Robocop even showed up. I absolutely. Think. Yes. When he says, there's trouble in the tower. You're right. Those, no they, it was already planned. Right. The entire idea of the 
Jones' little plan here was, is just to destroy Robocop. Because Robocop's a big fly in the ointment, monkey in the wrench, right? Oh, and yeah, now that he's getting his uh, his memories back. Plus, he recorded all of what Clarence said that could implicate him. He should have just made a nice DVD and sent it somewhere. Well, DVDs weren't invented yet. VHS. Wait, you notice whenever he sends the message to uh, to Bob Morton, it's a, it's a disc. Yeah, it looks a like a DVD. Yeah, it's yeah. a DVD before DVDs were invented. Way to go, Paul Verhoeven. That's Apparently, they didn't have high definition yet, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, everyone has the regular CRT monitors. Yeah, the tube sets. This is another um scene where the cops are saying, you can't kill him. He's a cop. Hey, wait a second! He's a cop, for God's sake! Hey, stop, you can't do that! We have orders to destroy it! Oh, shit! You're maniacs! Yeah, I love that. And then the other cops are like, well, I got orders from OCP yeah, to do this. Yeah, it's the same Weasley SWAT guy from earlier. I was surprised he didn't offer Robo a, a 6000 SUX. We'll even throw in a blob punk. Yeah. I love that those guys quit right then. They just walk away like, no, we're not having anything to do with this. Well, and it's, again, emphasizing the control that uh, exists with the uh, corporation owning the, you know, the police, running yeah. the police. And we, we're just following orders. We're doing. Yeah, they saying. can tell them to do whatever they want to do. Poor Robocop, he's getting all shot to hell. His shiny suit is all jacked up. Cracks in his armor. Yeah. He escapes really fast by rolling down several flights of the garage. He does, and thankfully Lewis is there. Clarence Bodiger arrives in Dick Jones' office, and he's being a real dick to the secretary. Listen, I'm here to see Dick Jones. But when I'm done, I've got some free time. And I like that, Ed, like, the, the rebuilding has already happened. Yeah, they're sweeping like up they're, and cleaning up. Like, nothing nothing went on here. No, no Don't pay attention. And just yeah. guys measuring the whole, the rocket explosion in the wall. <laughs> Maybe you could uh, fit me in. He's expecting you, Mr. Boddicker. Why is he coming off so sleazy here, you know? And I read that that's actually Kurtwood Smith's wife who plays the secretary. And I almost wonder if, like, he was extra slimy just because of his wife playing. He knew he could get, he just to try to make her laugh or just to, to get away with it. And I'm always grossed out by people's gum when they don't I hate, it away. Ugh. So when he puts it on her nameplate, it's so gross to me. That's really gross he to goes, me. You can keep the gum. I can't take used gum. Uh, Clarence Bodiger wasn't bad enough, then he's playing with gum. It grosses <laughs> me out. When Dick Jones is telling me he has to kill it, he's like, You're going to have to kill it. Well, listen, Chief. Your company built the fucking thing. Now I gotta deal with it? I don't have time for this bullshit. He's so pissed off that he has to handle Robocop. It's great. He goes, well... Delta City begins construction in two months. That's two million workers living in trailers. That means drugs, gambling, prostitution. Virgin territory for the man who knows how to open up new markets. One man could control it all, Clarence. Well, I guess we're going to be friends after all, Richard. Yeah, and this is where they, uh, he, he supplies them with weapons yeah, he's like, to make, make the job easier. Yeah, remember he goes... going to need some major firepower. You got access to military weaponry? We practically are the military. This was the scene in the still mill with uh, Robocop and Lewis when she arrives and has his gun and baby food and stuff. He has the drill and he takes the long screws out of his head. 
and you first see Peter Weller's face again. Yeah. I must say that I really like that they didn't show Peter Weller again until this moment. It really made it... It wasn't like, say, Judge Dredd, where he keeps removing the helmet, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's more... the, it's also the moment where the machine becomes a man again. Yeah, he's RoboCop, and now he's he's turning back into Murphy. Basically, it's his, his second resurrection, if you will, because he's gone through the machine now, and now he's so damaged, he's in such need of repair, he's become... Uh, in that way that he's become damaged and no longer in, in an immortal way, uh, he's now become a uh, human. I, I like that when he asks about his wife and child, and you know, she says that they lost everything. I can feel them, but I can't remember them. Leave me alone. I like that moment where she wants to kind of comfort him for a moment, and he goes, leave me alone. Yeah, just feels them. Yeah, and you're like, man, poor Robo. Well, at that point, you're going, poor Murphy. Murphy. He's He's not Robo anymore. What I love about this movie, and every good film does it, where they establish the bad guy as such an evil prick, you can't wait till he gets his. Yeah. Uh, now they're, they have to work on his targeting, his targeting is off. Yeah. And he's actually gotta have Lewis aim for him to correct it. What are you doing? My targeting system is a little messed up. Can I help you? Aim for me. Are you locked in now? Yes. More to the left. Here. We can't forget about the scene that introduces the Cobra Assault Cannon. State of the art, bang, bang. It looks like a modified version of that sniper rifle in, in the Rambo movie. I read that it's like a fifty caliber sniper rifle that they made look more high-tech. Remember, now the cops are on strike, so everyone's going nuts in the city. It's a free society. Except there ain't nothing free, because there's no guarantees, you know? <laughs> You're on your own. There's <laughs> a lot of jungle. <laughs> like, just smashing in windows, and Emil's chilling there, drinking his Jack Daniels while watching... <laughs> Happy birthday, babe. She's from me. <laughs> well, hey, can I have you both? Sure. <laughs> We've had our shots. <laughs> buy that for a dollar. <laughs> he can't quite hear it enough, so he decides to break the window to turn, and turn the volume up. Turn it up just for his fa- in time for his favorite line and then start laughing. Joe has his own 6000 SUX that Clarence has to blow up. When you see all these guys together, don't they just look like they have the best time together? Oh, yeah. They're, they're such close friends. And, and it's so sad that the, the Asian guy can't be there with them. I know. They don't even really talk about him. Or- <laughs> no, they a, don't. A moment of silence for our Asian friends. I love when he you know, shows them the Cobra Assault cane and starts shooting. Watch this. Wait a minute. Wait, Clarence. Clarence. Let me try that. Let me try that. Cobra assault cannon, state of the art, bang bang. Emil's line where he goes. 
Yes. It's, That's something that anytime I, uh, like there's anything I really enjoy, I, I can't help but say it like that. Like get that new gun in a video game or something. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I wonder if Jim Carrey kind of stole that. I like it a lot. I know I'm reading into things, but Clarence's second hand man, you know, his right hand, if you will, is Leon. And then Emil and, uh, Joe are his crazy kind of guys. Yeah, Leon is the, uh, the brains, you know, kind yeah, of, I have a the consigliere, maybe. Yeah, it's almost like when he goes, He's in the steel mill. Let's go. All right, come to horseshit! We're moving out! Come on, Emil! Get your ass in the van! It's that he's already filled him in on everything, and then they're ready to go, but he, I almost get the feeling he hasn't told Emil or the black guy anything. You know? No, they just, the, right. they're the bulldogs. They're just supposed to be there. When they arrive at the still mill, <laughs> the wrecking crew is here! Quick, is that metallic motherfucker? Nothing fancy, just kill him. So sick of your bullshit. He's like, nothing I mean, fancy, just kill him. You and you're laughing. He's sick of this shit. <laughs> When I've watched the movie so many times, when I was really, like, thinking about it and analyzing here, RoboCop really, like, Fs up their whole plan immediately. They're just going to walk with these Cobra Assault Cannons and blow them up when they see him. But he's not going to stand out in the open, you know? No. He throws that piece of metal and he's like, Looking for me! First they open fire on the piece of metal that he threw, like, just a huge explosion. Did you notice when he shot Joe, like... Two bullets hit him upper and two bullets hit him lower or something. It's like he's shooting two bullets at a time or something. Yeah. They killed the giggler, man. They killed the giggler! They had no business doing that. He was the... Well, he wasn't the first one out. That was the Asian guy, but... Yeah. He's kind of walking. Robocop is. They're going to go chase after him. Uh, Leon goes, come on! And I swear he could actually hit Robocop, but he's yeah. missing left and right. Like, the aim is so bad, and there's, <laughs> there's Robo just, just walking. He's just strolling. First of all, he shouldn't be holding that huge gun, like, at his hip the way he is, you know? That must have a serious, like, inertial dampener on it, that they're not <laughs> flying backwards. So we have one of the the best final acts in a movie <laughs> ever. Yeah, Emil he never even gets out of the van until. <laughs> Don't you love? This is one of my favorite times too because they're so cocky and everything. Emil sees Robocop walking and he goes, "Okay, okay, now I gotcha. I'm gonna run his ass down." You this know? is it. I didn't think it would be this quick. Robocop steps out of the he, way. He almost does a little trot. Does yeah, he? Yeah, like a little. Like, whoop. It's like, gotcha, boom, right into the toxic waste. And I think the first time I saw Robocop, I was like, what the hell? It was so oh. gross. Yeah, and the way his bones are poking through uh, the... And you can see some of his skin on his fingers just hanging off. Like, Yeah. And he's like... Rrr! The horrible sound he makes. 
then he encounters Leon. Oh, man, I love and it. And Leon just wants absolutely nothing to do with it. I love Leon's face. He's like, oh, and he's like, oh. Yeah, don't touch me. <laughs> yeah, that's a, don't your touch friend me. is melting from uh, toxic waste and you tell him, don't touch me. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like Clarence is trying to leave, doesn't it? And, and then he uh, um, runs into Lewis. She distracts him long enough for him to uh, plow right into Emil. <laughs> and then, Emil's like, stumbling along. I swear, whenever I see the blood go over his car, it makes me think of the color of Slurpee. When he hits, it's like, it's, it's such a, like a dissolved, gooey, splattering mess. <laughs> it's slurpy juice. All yeah. It's, and I love yeah, those it's milk slurpy juice. The way Clarence is like, ah, like, ah, shit. Gross. <laughs> and then he flips over into the water. Did you ever think when you first saw it, remember in that scene that Lewis gets shot up, you know, he pops out of the car and shoots her like, I don't know, six or seven times or something. Yeah, he shoots down. her like in both shoulders. I always watch to see where the bullets hit. Bye-bye, baby. Clarence! But yeah, he, he shoots her like in, in the arms and in, in the sides of the chest, probably hits a lung. When you first see the movie, it's like, ah, oh, another Robocop she's going to become or something. But no. I never thought that. <laughs> Come on. You I think never, ever thought that. <laughs> I almost had like a split second thought of it. Like she's going to get robotic implants, something. Well, I guess in a way, because there, there's that last line. Once everything goes down, you right. have. Uh, They'll fix you. They fix everything. Yeah. Clarence is trying to uh, to distract Robocop as Robocop's coming. He goes, Okay. I give up. I'm not arresting you anymore. Hey. Now, wait a second. Oh, wait a minute. Digging is kind of personal, aren't it? <laughs> And I love he's waiting for uh, Leon to drop all this shit on top of him. And I love when he finally does. And he's like, yeah! He's pretty sure his goose is cooked at that point. Leon's like, I got him, I got him! And right then, Lewis blows him away with... I got him, Clarence! I got him! It's great. That's a great and moment. It just, there. I love uh, Clarence's reaction. Like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, like, holy crap! Hey, <laughs> what that, the hell? That was my best friend in the whole world. <laughs> Leon and I used to go to clubbing together to dance to Skinny Puppy Ministry music. That is a great line where he, you know, he grabs the piece of metal and he's hitting him. <laughs> And then he stabs Robocop right in the chest and he goes, I am not a Robocop. I love yeah. that line. And then we get the, the whole hand spike. Oh man. The way and this is, and this is different. Apparently in my mind, it's, I've always remembered that splatter, uh -huh. that like viscous splatter of blood when he pulls the spike out of his neck. He stabs him off screen almost and you see Robocop, the stuff go on his chest. Yeah. 
But I always remember that, and I guess that wasn't in the theatrical version. But because I, I was reading uh, that that was one of the scenes they didn't like the amount of blood that oh, splattered, man. or how long it like Maybe it was the, the spurt, scene was. Because man, that's the best blood spurt I've ever seen in a movie, isn't it? Whether it is. It's just squirting out of his neck. I love how it's like, you know, and it's he's just like, oh, and you just see the blood just squirting out, and I just giggle at that scene because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, and there's not, I, there couldn't be a more personal way of ending this, you know, I wouldn't even call it a rivalry, but this this revenge. It wouldn't have you been right if Robocop would have just shot him and he was dead, kind of like he did some of the other bad guys. Like, they weren't worth it, but Clarence, you know, Robocop was pinned down, he's getting stabbed in the chest, it seemed that all was lost, and then he basically stabbed him right in the jugular with that spike in his hand is so awesome. Whenever he finally, after everything happens, and he, he reports to the OCP building to take Dick Jones down, and he puts, he takes the spike out to put it into the thing. There's, it's still covered I, in blood. Yeah, I love that. There's yeah, that blood caked on it. But I love that scene where he goes, "Don't worry, Lewis. They'll fix you. They fix everything." He grabs the girder with his arms, and he goes, <laughs> and then it cuts right there on that scene where he's kind of grunting. Yeah, I, I love that effective moment. But also the defeat in his voice of, like, even though he survived and everything is made his revenge on these men that took his life away, just the defeat in the way he delivers that line yeah. of, like, They'll fix you. They fixed everything. And he still needs to get Dick Jones. And that's another thing. When he arrives to get Dick Jones, I'm not sure he even knows how he's going to do it, but he does, shows up anyway. Oh, he has proof on his computer uh, spike now. Maybe that's what it is. Because I always wonder, like, oh, he's going to go there, but what is he going to do? And I love, you know, he's like, we even have an Ed 209. I love how Ed 209 is now back in play now because Robocop yeah. has failed and went crazy and tried to kill him. So, hey, we're going back to the Ed 209. And he's like, you are illegally parked on private property. You have 20 seconds to move your hand. <laughs> and I yeah, it's like, oh, so... Illegally parking now is is uh, <laughs> sensible fire. with death. Robocop had the sense to bring the Cobra assault cannon with them. Like, oh, I'm gonna take one of these with me. Hey, it, it worked surprisingly well. And they had the long-ass scene of the legs just walking by themselves. It blew, blew, it blew his entire head off. And then, again, there's another one of those scenes where it shows one of the paddles on its foot just going... Tick, 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 tick. Yeah. Like, I love that. The final scene where Ed, Ed walks in from off-camera, I got a call in the morning from Davison and John said, you know, can you do something funny? So, you know, I kind of backed some stuff off and found, like, this little fan and glued that onto Ed 209 and just kept the stupid little whirly gig, you know, spinning the whole time. And pretty much pantomime a drunk gag, you know, where he hiccups uh, and then he blah, 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 falls over and does this little... Blah, blah, blah. When Robocop comes in at the end, you know, uh, Dick Jones kind of freaks out, but uh, the old man is like, well, let's hear this man out. And he goes, how can we help you, officer? Dick Jones is wanted for murder. This is absurd! That thing is a violent mechanical psychopath! My program will not allow me to act against an officer of this company. These are serious charges. What is your evidence? 
you know, he's like totally treating him with respect. Yeah, the respect that a police officer deserves. Right. It just shows the, the dynamic there. He's like, Dick Jones is wanted for murder. Uh, please tell us more. Do you have proof of this, son? I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. He When he grabs the old man and he goes, uh, I want a chopper! Now! We will walk to the roof very calmly. I will board the chopper with my hostage. Anybody tries to stop me? The old geezer gets it. <laughs> and I love that. Dick, you're fired! The letters on his display go... Just disintegrate. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. And then again, he does the weird quadruple shot, doesn't he? Yes. Yep. Two well, up, he's got to make sure he gets it done. You know, when he falls out the window, I don't even sure they needed to have it in the movie, but the shot of a stop motion animation Dick Jones. They falling, didn't, but I still enjoy the hell out of I it. I do too. I laugh at it and I love it. It's just part of the character of the movie. And then he does the gun twirl. Doesn't the black dude even give him a thumbs up? He like, does. The, yeah, Robo. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Murphy. And then that's the best line in the movie, isn't it? Right at the very end. Murphy. Yep. And I love how it just crashes to main titles. It's such a satisfying ending, isn't it? It, it really is. It's, it's one of those endings where that's all there needed to be. Yep. That's it. That's its perfect, satisfying ending to a perfectly executed film. It feels so good when it's over and you're thinking about, man, what did I just see? This crazy, hyper-violent movie, but it's also got this wicked sense of humor. And so many things were great about it. The cast. From now on, if I see any of those guys, I'm like, oh, it's the dude from Robocop. Well, do you remember the one season of 24 where people from, well, not even the one season, with each new season of 24, somebody yeah. from Robocop showed up. They had Peter Weller, they had Kurtwood Smith, they had Paul McCrane, who played Emil. They yep, they had Ray Wise, who was Leon. Ray Wise, man, they love Robocop on 24. <laughs> they really do. I was waiting for Nancy Allen to show up. And I've even read that Peter Weller is going to be in the new Star Trek. Really? Yeah. I'm going to ask you again. One last time, son. Lower your shields. He certainly deserves more, like, better he work does, and, than know, he tends to get. Peter Weller's been directing TV now. I've seen he's directed uh, at least one episode of Sons of Anarchy. Cool. I mean, I've always loved Peter Weller. He's a great actor. And uh, this whole movie, Robocop, it's still great. A great movie to watch now. It doesn't get old. No, it really doesn't. It's one of those films that uh, we were talking the other day about movies that you see and they just hold up. The, uh, you've seen it a million times. You know what's going to happen, but it's just and so they, well done. that it, They don't even make movies like this anymore, Bill. When you go see a movie, they're now PG-13. This movie was hard R pushing. Uh, well, seriously hard R. They wanted to make it X-rated because of the violence and they had to cut it up, so... The unrated version is the way to go, but yeah, certain scenes will disturb you. <laughs> we don't even have to talk about the sequels that it spawns. No. Behave! 
Save yourselves! Well, you know, I like to think of Robocop 2 as kind of like a, a standalone, I think you even call it, it's a cartoon. Yeah. It's just, it's goofy and it's tries hard to make a statement. Frank Miller tries his best in his own twisted way. Yeah. But it's it's lacking any subtlety whatsoever. If I remember correctly, they got Frank Miller because it was a writer's strike or something. Whenever you do a sequel and automatically the creators are out, it kind of yeah. disappoints you, you know? I'm even surprised that Peter Weller agreed to do it. I will still be entertained and watch RoboCop 2, but it's nowhere near as good as RoboCop. No. Well, there's the just so much going on. Yeah. It's so convoluted and... They try to do the same thing with the sense of humor and everything, but uh, you can't top the first RoboCop. No, the, the, I mean the entire the best line in RoboCop Two is the one that we've played repeatedly on the show. They reprogram him, and he's just completely screwed, and he's out there with the kids. <laughs> Waste makes haste, for time is fleeting. A rolling stone is worth two in the bush. Go fuck a refrigerator, peckerneck! That's the best part of the entire film. The rest of the film is just creepy. It doesn't play well with the kid and the Tom Noonan character. and the, the, Ugh, so weird. And they try to make it disturbing with the, the baseball team that's robbing the stores and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's so comic booky. RoboCop 2 is fun, but it just doesn't hold a candle to RoboCop, I think. That's another thing about RoboCop 2. No Basil Polidurus. No. It's this horrible Leonard Rosenman score. <laughs> Leonard Rosenman? Yeah, if you ever wow. listen, listen to the end credits of RoboCop 2, they actually have a, a chorus singing, RoboCop! No, Robocop. really? Yes, it's horrible. I must have shut it off before that happened. If you have that on DVD, pop it in and just watch the credits and listen. You will go, what the... I had no idea. And I wanted to say this about RoboCop. Just we're revisiting 1987. Back then, you know, July, summertime, big movie. The budget of it was $13 million, and it made $53 million. So that's pretty wow. damn good, right? It grossed over $8 million in its opening weekend. Yeah, and back then, you know, that's like, whoa, nice. And I just can't imagine that, like, people who took their kids to see it had any idea it was going to be so oh my god hyper violent that it was when crime strikes nothing can stop robocop criminals give up surprise robocop meet your match robocop and evil ed260 face off with rapid repeat cap firing that should hold you calling the robo jailer run away you won't catch us but the robo jailer smashes through their hideout you'll be hiding out in prison now figures and vehicles sold separately back for more robocop and the ultra police Ocean Software presents Robocop, part man, part machine, all computer game. You've seen the Smash movie, played the all-action coin-op, now experience the thrills on your home computer. As Robocop, you blast through the many levels of the underworld in the pursuit of justice. Scrolling shoot-em-up action. You've got to be tough, ruthless, and lethal. You've got to be Robocop. I can't even think of that. And I didn't even know who Paul Verhoeven was when I saw that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never heard of him. And then he goes. Well, he on, made one hell of a statement. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes on to make uh, Total Recall. Get ready for a surprise. Total Recall is more of a pure sci-fi, whereas oh, whereas no, Robocop wait. is more of a statement about so many different problems that were yeah. uh, coming to a head in the 80s. Ed Newmeyer and Michael Miner, he worked with them again with Starship Troopers. Which I enjoy the hell out of, because it's it's it's, it's a farce. Verhoeven has such a hard-on for fascism that uh, that movie is just laced. Robocop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers, Hollow Man. Where is like uh, the movies he made all in a row, and it's kind of funny. Yeah, I think uh, Verhoeven's biggest mistake was uh, uh, hooking up with Joe, Joe Esterhaus. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean they may have gotten along, but Esterhaus is just such a strange guy with just i mean i i was never really impressed by anything he did yeah he writes trash basically yeah yeah he did the flash dance yeah i think that's the only film that he wrote that wasn't really totally trashy all right bill it was great to go back to 1987 and revisit robocop one of my favorites of the 80s what about you not only one of my favorite of the 80s, but one of my favorites of all time. It's definitely in my top 10 favorite movies. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so memorable, and it just sticks with you. I sit down, I, I get into all the emotional parts, and I also laugh at all the ridiculous parts, and I, it's just solidly entertaining and so well made. It has it's aged cork. like a fine wine. Yes, it's it not... Is. Ah, Robocop. Yeah, it, it, you just cork it open, to let it breathe a little bit, and just ah, enjoy. Serve it room temperature. Yeah. Now, uh, listeners, uh, I hope you enjoyed our visitation of RoboCop, and I hope, certainly, that you have seen RoboCop. If you hadn't, you should have watched it before you listened to this. So, <laughs> Well, I know we do, have, we do have quite a few younger listeners, right. and I'm always surprised by some of the films that people haven't seen. Yeah, but totally. I, I hope and pray that they decide to watch the film before listening to this. This movie, it's like when it came out and it came out on video, there's no way I could have gone without seeing it because all of my friends were going, dude, how have you not watched it yet? You know, like you couldn't go without seeing it because everyone was telling you, oh man, you gotta watch Wilcox. It's funny that you bring that up. And I was just always wondering, like, there's always one movie like that a year. Uh, Robocop had to be the movie for 1987. Yeah, totally. But I hope everybody enjoyed this, and hopefully, hey, go uh, give Robocop another viewing. It certainly deserves it. And uh, We had a fun time revisiting the 80s, Bill, and perhaps we'll do it again, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good idea. All right, guys, see you on the next one, okay? Goodbye. Bye. Bitches leave. Now this is podcasting. Paul is Dutch, and Joost Vacano, uh, uh, the cinematographer, is German. And I don't believe that Paul knew during that evening that bitches was a pejorative term for females. We were getting ready to do the scene, and so we were kind of blocking it out, and Paul says, yeah, then... Yeah, Kurtwood says, bitches leave, then the bitches leave, uh, and bitches, uh, then you leave when he says that. And um, 
Then he says, no, wait, bitches, don't leave, wait. Um, Jost, what do you think? Uh, should uh, bitches leave when he says, bitches leave? Or should they wait for him to make a motion? Jost goes, mm, the bitches should leave. Yeah, bitches. Bitches, you leave for... <laughs> Miguel and I are just sitting there cracking up. And the bitches, they, they didn't seem to have a problem with it at all. You know, they were like, okay, fine, sure. Very good. Thank you, bitches. Very good. That's a wrap on the bitches. Thank you very much, bitches. I'd buy that for a dollar.